0: Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. This is Sam,
1: and I'm joined by Dennis. Hey, Sam. How you doing? You doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. <laughs> we were talking before we hit record. It's been a week. Yeah, man. It really the has. It's been a week. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think anyone who's listened to our podcast for any length of time will not be shocked to know that we are following things fairly closely. And certainly yes. through our particular lens, there have been some pretty disturbing Disgusting,
1: horrible things going on. You know our political bent by this point. If you're still yeah. listening to us, <laughs> so yeah. So everything going on with the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, yeah, it's just had my blood pressure spiking. Yeah, uh, this last week, as a lot of people. Um, so that being said, I uh, I am happy to dive into what is a straight up comedic episode.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think, well, we, we, let's save it for the format. Why don't you take us away, sir? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, this week we're talking about A Hunting We Will Go. Indeed, and that episode uh, was written by Beverly Bridges. This is actually going to be... Um, the second of five episodes. Um, mm-hmm. She will write uh, Permanent Wave, Raped, and The Play's The Thing. Uh, she also wrote The Great Spontini. Um, I would argue that this is a market improvement over The Great Spontini. Uh, actually. I would argue so, too. Yeah. Um, Andy Cadiff is our director, uh, who also directed So Help Me God, which is probably one of our, you know, more top-tier... Favorite kind of episodes. episodes yeah. absolutely. And then uh, also Glitter Rock, <laughs> 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 which, which probably wouldn't be, but if it wasn't for Glitter Rock, we wouldn't have a title. So, you know. We wouldn't,
1: yeah. Bing, bang, boom. Um, yeah.
0: This episode aired on April 18th, 1991. Our leap dates are June 18th through the 19th, 1976, and Sam has leapt into Gordon O'Reilly, uh,
1: and we're in Arkansas Yes, we are. What are your initial thoughts? What do you remember about this episode from a kid? I know you talked about previous episodes that the 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 latter third season is a bit of fuzz. It's a bit fuzzy for you.
0: Yeah, um, you know this one I remembered better. Uh, it's funny because the next episode I will admit to not remembering hardly anything. In fact, it's very possible that this is one of the few episodes that I've maybe only seen like once and and it was, you know, twenty years ago plus. Um but this episode I did remember a little bit of. I, I certainly remembered the scene in the barn. Um you know, the, there were there were elements as I was watching too where it really kind of clicked and, and came back to me right away. I remember the very end, you know, the, the kind of wrap up uh, pretty well where he gives her the hat, like that was something that kind of I, I remembered, but um, I didn't remember the, like, the climactic scene in, in the railroad yard, though. Like, that that for me was kind of almost, like, new. Like, as as I was watching it, I was like, oh, right, okay. But I didn't
1: remember it straight off, so. For sure. You know. uh, yeah, I, I probably haven't watched this episode all the way through in years, but You know, I remember it being like a very straight up comedic episode. Like, there is a lot of physical comedy in this episode Mm -hmm. that isn't, that isn't not, that is, uh, it really isn't in a whole lot of episodes. Um, So that's interesting. Yeah.
0: You know, ultimately, it reminded me as I was watching the end of it. Not for any specific reason, not because it's the same, but something about the tone of the episode, I think reminded me of the Rockford files.
1: I could see that you know
0: just that 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 like you said, there's sort of a comedic element to it, and yet there are more serious moments that when the sure. stakes are high, they're high, you know there's danger and so I, I i you know that was just kind of something that popped into my head. Um, you know, as, as we got towards the end of the episode, I was just sort of like, Oh yeah, it's kind of got that, that sort of vibe, if you will. Um, yeah. which a lot of, I feel like eighties television shows, especially detective shows would end up kind of copying, whether it was something like Hardcastle and McCormick or Simon and Simon, or, you know, any of those shows, even Magnum P.I. Um, Oh yeah, this is very much in that vein. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and it's, and it's successful.
1: I feel like, I, I feel like it's a successful episode. um, yeah. Yeah, it is. And uh I remember, you know, like you said the barn scene. Uh I took some screen caps and we'll discuss this later of uh <laughs> Al's Five Stages of Love. Oh my god. Of oh. that there. Uh the bedroom scene and also this is uh this is one of the rare episodes where, where Sam just like full on makes out with the girl and he has no qualms about it. Yeah, he does have, he does have qualms about it, but does it doesn't come from a moral standpoint. It comes more from a, this woman drives me crazy. Why am I so attracted to her standpoint? Right. Uh, which, uh, kind of follows along the same idea of her charm. Uh, very much follows that, that, that same, you know, that, that same thing of, I hate her. She drives me crazy. I'm very attracted to her. You know something you know? I just thought?
0: And I, I can't mm-hmm. believe I didn't think this while I was watching the episode, but seeing the names actually next to one another, how funny is it that our leads with this, you know, love-hate relationship are Sam and Diane?
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, as I was watching it, yeah, as I was looking at that last night, there was something that was jumping out and tickling my brain, and I couldn't quite put it together. Maybe that was it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh Cheers is fresh in my brain right now, not watching Cheers, but we are, uh, we are diving back into the good place. Ah, okay. Ted Danson. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, it's funny
0: because I just watched um, Like Father, which is a Netflix original movie with Kristen Bell, and she mm-hmm. stars in that with another Cheers alumnus in Kelsey Grammer, who, who plays her father.
1: Frazier. Yeah. Ah. It's a small Dude, world. Dude, Frasier's such a great show. Yeah, that's one uh, I haven't gotten into. I I dove into it a few months ago. The first couple episodes, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So yeah, those are, are my initial thoughts on the episode. Do we want to talk about where Sam has been? Uh, yeah. So we're coming off of
0: Glitter Rock, which actually mm-hmm. was April twelfth, nineteen seventy four. So you know, so not too far away. No, not too far away at all. Um, you've done the research. Where where
1: has he actually been chronologically? Most recently, chronologically, he was in... Sorry, I'm getting a weird echo on my headphones, so I'm adjusting that. There we go. That's better. Fantastic. Um, he was, uh, just a couple months before, in April 1976, he was in Disco Inferno. Ah. And he will be seen again uh, a couple of years later in July 1978 and the last part of the trilogy episode... Mm, which actually uh, was was mentioned today in um, on the Facebook page on the Facebook and page, yes. Yeah. So uh, I posted, um, not related to a hunting we will go, well, somewhat related. Both both episodes written by Beverly Bridges. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. This episode, and there was a great uh, Twitter thread that I came on the other day because one of our listeners, uh, Dana, she retweeted it. Um, it was a Twitter thread of a woman named—her uh, Her Twitter handle is Donna, quote, the dead, something. I can't remember her last name right off the top of my bat. Uh, it's on our Facebook page if you want to go check it out. But uh, with everything going on with the news, um, she posted about how at eight years old she learned about rape and the consequences or lack thereof thanks to— the TV show Quantum Leap and the episode of uh Raped and uh uh Rosen, who uh who uh gives us a lot of great feedback a lot of times she uh she brought up the, the trilogy episode again in, in that uh she feels and I think rightfully so that that mm, Sam could legitimately be accused of rape. Right. In that episode. In, yeah.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, it'll, I, I, it'll be interesting when we get there um, to, to, to have that dialogue. But I, I think, obviously, with everything that's going on right now, um, there is a... And I don't mean sensitivity is in, like, oh, we're all little snowflakes. I mean, sensitivity is, you know, the good connotation. There is a sensitivity to all forms of sexual assault and the levels at which they occur. Because I think that, ultimately you know, sexual assault is sexual assault. That said, we would be ignorant human beings if we didn't at least understand that there are levels of sexual assault. And that doesn't mean levels as in one is worse than the other, but that there are, you know, there, there are different types of it. And, yeah. and, and I think that when you look at Sam and, and his travels through time and certain things that he has done, certainly Catch a Falling Star being a prime example, that quite frankly, it, 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 there's no way around it. He has engaged in some level of, of that. And, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that happens at all in this episode. I think that this is one of those episodes that handles it well. And that, you know, he's, he's basically, um, you know, this woman doesn't know him as, as, as anyone. They, they have no history. There is no relationship. There is no, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, um, and, and I, and I think that just by virtue of, of the conceit of the show, it would not be fair quite frankly to say that Sam has done anything wrong in the context
1: of this episode. Uh, yeah, I could I could see that argument. It's a thing, like, yeah, if you want to draw like the hard line in the sand, we we kinda of talked about uh, this last look with Glitter Rock, it's like if you wanna draw a very hard line in the sand, it's like even though her and Gordon or her and Sam don't really know each other, she still sees Sure Gordon. Right. Who who kinda looks like Henry Cable with a mustache. In <laughs> the in the in the one mirror shot that we get in the episode. You know, uh,
0: i think that you're right i think the flip side of that is that that you know in our efforts to contextualize the show it's 1991 she's sure. the hero of our
1: show he's got to make out with the girl he, at some point he, you he's know, got a like, th- he's got a thing and it's uh not not to slough up on our, our duties as socially conscious people uh but, yeah, this week after the week had spent, I said this before hit record, I'm glad to have a, a mostly yes. fluff, light episode. Right, uh, right. So, yes, if you break everything down, everything you love is problematic. Um, so. <laughs> everything sucks. Everything. It's all, like, yeah, it, I mean, yes. dear God. I can't, uh, I, can't, I can't remember if I brought it up uh, last episode during Glitter Rock. I discovered another great podcast a couple weeks ago called Your Fave is Problematic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's two women. I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but, uh, every episode them and an occasional guest star, they break down something in pop culture about why it's problematic. And at the end, they kind of do an evaluation of like, well, can we still hang on to it or can we not? Uh, you know, so they did one episode where they talked about the NFL. Mm. They did another episode. And of course I had to listen to it to talking about back to the future. Oh, sure. And uh, they brought up some really interesting points I think I'm going to uh, bring up in my own next episode of uh, Dad to the Future and how it relates to the Kavanaugh hearings. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Right. uh, But yes, everything you love is problematic. Uh, On this week's episode, we're going to try to back off that a little bit and just have fun and, and just have fun and let's just have some fun it just it just give everybody a break from the from the dumpster fire that is the news because you uh, know what at the end of the day it's quantum leap and Beverly Bridges and Deborah
0: Pratt sat around in the production meetings apparently and reveled over the fact that they were gonna get scap with over the shirt
1: off for most of the episode so that, that is you right know, that like is, let's just enjoy this let's let's enjoy this so uh, so Sam leaps in He's on the phone. He is indeed, and uh, this is kind
0: of an iconic sort of oh, yeah. like shot. The leap in it gets used in credits and everything. And, he, and I think it, anyone who's watched Quantum Leap enough, this this sort of scene where he gets
1: pulled into the phone booth is is pretty iconic. Yanked in there, pretty yeah, recognizable, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, he's talking on the phone, and the the, the woman that he's uh, that he's handcuffed to. I'm not sure if it's immediately apparent, immediately apparent that they're handcuffed to each other. Uh, but she she kind of sees a moment she kind of sees a break she sees other people around they're at a bus depot and she starts shouting for help and she yanks against them and poof, yep pulls them yeah. right into the side of the phone booth uh, apparently um, the the rubber gun prop that Sam had inside his jacket this yank into the phone booth almost broke his ribs crazy yeah the hazards of traveling through time the hat right. <laughs>
0: Um you know what's interesting about this scene is I feel like there is no mistaking the fact that she is playing an angle here. This isn't this isn't one of those, you know, episodes where they try to fake you out and make you think something. I think it's pretty obvious from the get-go that she is is is, you know, is is clearly trying to get, you know, Sam Beat up and not and not because you know what I mean. Oh, sure, like it's yeah. pretty clear that, that 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 she's the one in the wrong here. Um, what did you want to do the uh, our TV guide uh, description? Oh yeah,
1: we totally missed that, our, didn't we? Yeah, I
0: know. I that that would be a damn
1: shame, man. Jump, jump, I mean, uh, the, jumping back, the here. minutes of enjoyment that that has provided us yes. over the course of yeah. three seasons. <laughs> uh, so, so to uh, so to give you context of rec- uh, context of recording this episode, usually we record on Sundays. Uh, Schedule wise, yesterday it didn't work, so we were recording on. Monday night, and this will be coming to you uh, as fresh as possible on Tuesday. So it's kind of the end of our work day. We both work today. So, yeah. Anyway, TV Guide Description. Sam, Scott Bakula, may just mutiny when he is a bounty hunter being broadsided by a rambunctious woman, Jane Sabet, who may or may not have stolen one million dollars. <laughs> okay, now wait a minute. I gotta
0: wonder, why the hell the naval references? Mutiny and broadsided has absolutely nothing to do. Like, they're they're like, they're the type of puns you would do if this was JAG maybe or something.
1: I don't know, I, but like, you know. I have a feeling the, the copywriter got, got his metaphors crossed a little bit. Maybe. maybe he misread what the episode was about, but hey, you know, I doubt... TV guide writers make a lot of money, so yeah.
0: I, you know, I, yeah, I'm not faulting anyone. I dig it; it's fine. I, I got a kick out of it. Recognizing the fact that you
1: know, mutiny, broadside, sure, yeah. Anyway, so there we go. <laughs> the Context of the episode. So yeah, we get this uh, this initial scene. She starts tugging, pulls him against the phone booth, and uh, these rednecks come to her rescue <laughs> and, uh, that they do. and we get the oh boy and, and we get to the opening credits we do
0: uh, right away I think Jane Sivet is somebody who shows herself to be a cut above some of our regular weekly guest stars and that's not a knock on anyone else but I just think that she you know displays a, a charisma um, you know a charm her charm uh, which this episode obviously has some some threat common threads yeah. to um and and uh and I think that that, that carries through the entire i episode. think
1: so i mean there's always you know the, the, the characters there's just something about them like you could totally see them like spun off in their into their own series mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a huge compliment and again, you know we talk about how the show set out to be an anthology show, I think that speaks to the spirit of the show that you have that you have yes. these fully fleshed out characters it's not just Sam and Al's story but it's about the characters that he's with, the other people that he is with that week um yeah and you know
0: and, and this feels like a very well written episode in that respect because it is definitely not a case of the episode happening to Sam Sam is clearly happening to the events of this episode and yet you're right that the character of Diane stands very well on her own two feet um and 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 I think Shows a good deal of agency that we don't often get from female characters in this particular kind of role in some of those other detective shows that we mentioned earlier on, for uh-huh. instance. Especially when you consider the the, the climactic scene and, and the fight, um, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, she's giving as good as Sam sure. is uh, at the end there with the, with the roundhouse kick and everything. So um, I would watch Diane I mean, Frost, I, I totally bounty hunter. It. Right? At the very end, you know, when he gives her the hat and sends her off into the jail and everything, there is that, there is that moment where it's just kind of like, oh, man, she's going to go off and have her own yeah. show, you, you know, in the mind's uh, eye. You know, it just occurred
1: to me, like, NBC did not do this, and I'm grateful that they didn't do it. But Quantum Leap could have been a great vehicle to backdoor pilot a lot of shows.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And when you think about when you think about other shows that where it just didn't work, the Incredible Hulk yeah. being one of them. They tried to like backdoor like two different shows oh, yeah. out of Thor, the Incredible Hulk, I Daredevil. think. Daredevil. Well, and then there was also like a Kung Fu show that they tried to backdoor oh, out of the original show. Right. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um
1: So, yeah, I I, I would watch that show. I would watch Diane Frost. So speaking of other shows that Jane Sibbitt has been in, uh, if I want to do our our little IMDB bits, uh, I I just really – I I missed her because I saw her friend's credits last night. Um, uh, But before that, she was on Herman's Head. Do you remember that Mm -hmm. series? Uh, Sort of. I I don't know if I watched all the episodes, but I was really into that show.
0: Yeah. I remember it being um not from watching it but just being kind of lauded as being a very
1: smart show. I think it, yes, it was it had a very unique setup you know, and and if you're not familiar, uh yeah. the idea was the the show followed this protagonist Herman, but we frequently cut to inside his head and you had these four characters in, inside his head playing, like, his different emotions or different feelings. Uh, if you've seen the, the 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 Pixar movie from a few years ago, Inside Out, um, it was kind of an adult version of that, almost, but on a yes. TV budget. And it ran yeah. for
0: three seasons. It did, like, 72 episodes. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a one and sure. sort of show. Uh, it was on so. Fox,
1: and if you remember, like, Fox TV from that era, you can kind of get an idea of the flavor of the show that it had. Yeah,
0: it's funny too because actually the um, the voice of Lisa Simpson yep. was mm-hmm. in
1: it as well. Mm-hmm. least Smith, I, um, Hank Azaria. I, uh, what's the name of the uh, actor who plays the voice of Lisa Smith? Lisa Simpson, or Lisa? Yeah, Lisa Simpson.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Lisa Smith. Smith. I also
1: remember her from the uh, from the one early episode of Sports Night. Uh, sh- she's the one who breaks the news to Dan that. Uh, happy Birthday is copyrighted, and you can't just and you can't just sing That's it on the right. air. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, right. I haven't seen her in a whole lot, but I, I really enjoy her. Because he turns to Casey at one
0: point, and he says that uh, if I sing Happy Birthday to you, it's going to cost like $15,000, so you have a
1: choice between yes. these two
0: songs that have nothing to do with Birthday at all, but they yeah. just so happen to be, uh, you know, a uh, oh, uh, oh, Dem uh, Golden uh, of gold research or one.
1: whatever. Um, uh, actually, yeah. I met... Uh, uh, one of my friends, I met her through a, a Sports Night fan group on MySpace, uh, and we've since That's met awesome. like uh, in, in real life in person a few times, uh, but she is also a huge Sports Night fan, and so every time—we'll we'll wish each other happy birthday on our Facebook walls, but we always make a Sports Night joke, and uh, Odem oh, Golden Slippers always ends up— Always ends up slipping in there. Uh, Anyway, do we want to just like break down some of the other actors here? There's not a whole lot. So let me call your attention. Uh, She's not a lot in the episode, but the elderly woman who is on the bus, who they end up running into as they're boarding the bus, and then when Sam falls in her lap later on. So it's interesting Mm -hmm. to note that older woman is played by Maxine Elliot Hicks So it's yep. funny because we get the running joke Throughout the episode that Diane Reminds Al very much of his Fifth and final wife Maxine Have you looked at Maxine's photo on IMDB oh, She actually bears a very Strong resemblance to Jane when, she when she was uh, When she was
0: Younger The most remarkable thing, however, about Maxine, I think would have to be that she made her film debut at the age of nine in 1913 in a short film called When the West Was Young. The woman had literally been in film since, like, practically the beginning of the industry. Yeah. It's kind of incredible. And her career went from 1913... All the way up to 1994, she would die at the ripe old age of 95 in January of 2000. We mentioned it earlier, so it's worth throwing out there again that she was indeed in an episode of Frasier. <laughs> it was one of her last
1: credits in 1994 as Mrs. That, Grey. That's really um, awesome. And I will say to, to put uh, a more positive spin on this episode because we've had some uh, we've had some heavy episodes recently. Uh, aside from her her, you know, passing away at a a very ripe old age of 95. I think all of the other guest stars in this episode are still alive, (laughs) which has not not been the running trend the last few episodes.
0: I know, it, it, it is kind of nice, I agree, I agree. Um, you know, because we see him fairly early, we should mention that Ken Kells uh, plays mm-hmm. the mirror image of Gordon, um, and unlike uh, some of our other mirror images, actually had a, a bit of a career, um, again, that's no offense, but he um, was in uh, a couple of episodes of Roseanne, uh, he did some film um the Rock, uh, The Babe, The Last Boy Scout. Uh, it was also in Masked Ooh. and Anonymous, which is the Bob Dylan movie that okay. came out in 2003. He
1: worked uh, as a crew member on The Big Lebowski.
0: Nice. Um, but m- by far, uh, I, I think the guy that I want to give the biggest shout-out to is you know the one who plays the biggest son of yep. a bitch in the episode. <laughs> um, it, it would be Ken Marshall as Rodney Owens, Ken Marshall um, gets the Star Trek shout-out of the week because even though we've got other actors that were in episodes of Star Trek, he played by far one of the most interesting, well-rounded, and and fantastic villains, side characters in the entire history of Star Trek as far as I'm concerned. Uh, He played Lieutenant Commander Michael Eddington um, in nine episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, He started off, the writers had enough forethought to actually start this character off as sort of a regular Joe who worked on the space station, was a Starfleet officer, and then slowly but surely transitioned him into this villainous character. Not really even a villain, that's the thing. He wasn't really a villain. He just saw the flaws in the system that was Starfleet and the Federation, and he ended up joining up with the Maquis, which was sort of this, you know, insurgent rebel force uh, trying to fight for the, you know, disenfranchised, uh, the the much maligned, um, and, and got its its beginnings kind of in the... Uh, underground in the resistance uh, on Bajor um against the Cardassians so it it was a really layered um well written character and his performance in the role was fantastic uh, a lot of times they would liken it to um Les Mis, and um uh, you know and the the cool thing was is that Cisco was the Javert character okay and obviously as we know from le Miserables, like he's not really the hero of that story and yet cisco in the context of DS nine is kind of supposed to be our hero. So it really, it, it, it really added a, a lot to the show. And I think was one of the better examinations. Um, there were a lot of really good ones in DS nine, but this was certainly one of the better examinations of the sort of the dark side uh, of Starfleet and the Federation. The, the idea that, you know, Roddenberry had always seen it as this utopian society and a guy like, um, uh, Eddington sort of represented uh, the the holes in that if you will uh-huh. um and I, I think just did it incredibly well um and i think that when you've got um an actor um playing that role uh so well um delivering a a, a much more Rich performance, uh, perhaps, and he gets the opportunity here in Quantum Leap.
1: Oh, sure. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just collecting a paycheck. To, I mean, he's not given a whole lot of substance at all. No, no. He doesn't have time. He is the mustache-twirling villain. Right,
0: and, and but Ron Moore who was one of the head writers on DS9 and of course would go on to uh, spearhead the, the Battlestar Galactica revival um, was, was responsible in great part for the creation of the character and the way that the character was seated early on as a background character. He barely has any lines in the first couple of episodes that he's in and then he has a big role and then he kind of fades to the background for a couple more episodes and then bam, all of a sudden the turn happens and now he's like this huge main character uh, uh, adversary for cisco and uh, it, it just worked really really well and, and and i think is um you know not only a testament to the actor but the writing as well and and deserved a big shout out which i decided to give it for right, sure here and right now yeah. on fate's wide wheel a quantum leap podcast okay. not a ds9 podcast i have to remind myself that sometimes
1: yeah. Dennis. that that being said <laughs> can, can, can i give you my piece about ds9 yeah man i want to get into that show i can't i can't get past avery brooks uh, really, especially after uh, I think Larry Ganey, he commented on a one of my Star Trek related posts on Facebook recently. Is that uh, at a convention uh, somebody asked him like why his performance was so wooden on the show, and he blamed it all on the scripts. He blamed it all on the writers. Wh- you know when you put like that compared to Patrick Stewart, who can make anything sound good. Man, and every Brooks just blamed his wooden performance on, you know, basically he said some, some variation on like, "How am I supposed to make shields up exciting?"
0: Weird. I that's that's so that's so strange to me to hear because I've never thought he was wooden, and and, and I would be surprised because I in, – in interviews that I'm aware of he usually praises the quality of their scripts Okay, I mean not universally I mean sure there's some stinkers everywhere but I mean he got stuff like you know far beyond these stars which is arguably one of the greatest Star Trek episodes ever and, and, and stuff like Beyond the Pale Moonlight and you know the entire final season I, I that's that's really a surprise to me I would have to I take exception okay. I take exception to that Larry Ganny oh, I'm coming for you Larry okay
1: um, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to get another chance Uh, Anyway, yeah, the last time I tried to watch the DS9 pilot, uh, I was watching it on Hulu, and they have a really old, old transfer. It does not look good on Hulu. Well, unfortunately,
0: unfortunately, that's pretty much all that exists for it. It hasn't gotten the the big upgrades that the original series and next-gen got. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. Is it even on Blu-ray or anything? It's not on Blu-ray. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's only available on DVD and streaming. Um Netflix the the Netflix streaming is is decent, oh, yeah. you know, but it's but it, yeah, it's really unfortunate. There's actually a documentary um that's coming out this month, I believe October 19th I want to say is the is the date that it drops and uh it's very exciting because there there's actually some um remastered footage that they did, especially for the documentary. And I'll be very interested to see what it's like, because uh, it's a show that would benefit greatly from it. Um, And I I think that the hesitation on pulling the trigger there has a lot to do with the projected sales. Sure. Uh, they, They don't have faith that it would sell as well as Next Generation or the original series did. Because Next Gen, I mean, they poured a ton of money into that remaster. Yeah. Um, and it shows (laughs) yeah it really does it's incredible it's kind of breathtaking but anyway it is unfortunate I I hope that they will reconsider at some point but we shall see Um, interesting thing about Ken Marshall is that his credits stop around 2003 Um, he would however go on to do JAG uh, in 2001 which of course is another Don Belisario show Um, big shout out for doing an episode of the commish (laughs) um, and, uh, he also did, uh, Hunter, a two part episode of Hunter and, um, In the Heat of the Night and Baywatch, as well as a Marco Polo miniseries where he played the title character. And, uh, of course it it, it really, yeah, that's right. He played Marco Polo. Um, (laughs) there's so many jokes I want to make. It must be noted that he also played the heroic character, uh, Colwyn in the classic cult fantasy film, Kroll. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, so there there you have it. In fact, his IMDb picture, believe it or not, is not from uh, Deep Space Nine. It's not from anything <laughs> recent. It's not a headshot. It is actually a poster from the film
1: Kroll. Cruel. That is that is amazing. So there you have. it. Uh, so yeah, just quickly go down the rest. We have uh, Cliff Bemis, who plays the sheriff. Uh, he's someone like I, I recognize. He he always plays that character. And I also made the note when I saw him pop up on screen for the first time. Why does inept law enforcement? Why are they always fat people on Quantum Leap? <laughs> always without without you know you you could put him. And and the character from uh, uh, maybe baby together, and there you go. You could you could spin them off in their own show, right there. Um, and then uh, Dale Swin, who plays Bill, I'm trying to figure out who Bill was in this episode. Um, he is originally from Harrisburg, Illinois. Uh, How about that? Where I went to community college too. It's about 45 minutes away from my hometown in Southern Illinois. Um, that being said, he must have he I, I don't know who he is in the episode uh i can't remember a bill um, uh i don't know unless maybe he's the guy on the
0: on the bus or one of the or, or is he the is he the other cop in the uh um, maybe he
1: yeah, he's probably the other cop in this nation. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's our uh so yeah that's our uh that's our cast
0: Right there. He did, however, you know, I, I, I hate to, I hate to do this to you, Dennis, because you were hoping that it wouldn't happen, but he did pass away in two thousand. I did notice that. And I wasn't going to bring it up.
1: Well, I'm sorry. I had to be the downer. Yeah, but he lived a nice long life. He did indeed. Yeah, he did
0: indeed. Uh, so anyway, um,
1: bit, uh, are, are there any other bits? Uh,
0: you know, I'm going to throw this out here just just for the hell of it because uh, it's actually listed on IMDb and, uh, you know, this isn't something that we always see. But uh, shout out to Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman, Jamie Summers, uh, <laughs> because she was shown in archival footage on the TV. That is... Um, yes. And they're having a fun time watching the show. It's interesting because Diane actually has this line about how she loves the Bionic Woman and she loves Jamie Summers and she's like a hero to her and, you know, she would love to be like an agent for the government like that. And, of course, Sam kind of... You know, meets that with some, some sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, because she's apparently supposedly a criminal. Um, and then, of course, there's a funny bit when uh, he walks over to the TV, turns it on real quick, and it's Donnie and Marie Osmond singing, and in disgust, he turns the TV back on. Yep. Oh, Donnie and Marie uh, get no respect. Um,. Yeah, and we could go down a whole rabbit hole with Bionic Woman because I loved that show growing up as a kid oh, yeah. and I was a fan of The Six Million Dollar Man as well based on the book Cyborg. Um, and uh, yeah, there's just so much interesting – there's got to be a, a podcast out there for The Six Million Dollar Man. There's, and, and
1: those are ones like I, – I, I just never caught the reruns when I was a kid, but I do remember when I was in grade school. My high school drama department did a one-act play. It was like an hour play called The Thirty-Nine Dollar Man. Oh, my God. It was about a, a plumber or a sewer worker, a sewage worker who gets cut up in some piece of machinery underground. They take him to a drunk doctor and they put him back together for thirty nine dollars. Wow. It. Yes. Wow. <laughs> anyway anyway. Well, I
0: will. Let's just give a quick shout out. I have no idea the quality of the podcast although it does have five stars. There is indeed a six million dollar man and bionic woman podcast called the OSI Files Podcast. Fantastic. As anyone knows, OSI is indeed the agency that they work for. Sure. Uh, You know what got me into it, honestly, is I watched Bionic Woman in syndication when I was growing up with my grandmother and then uh, when the TV movies started airing in the the 80s all the way up until like the mid-90s I believe was when the last one aired. Uh, I was a junkie for those, so um, so yeah, I, I, I always get a kick out of seeing/slash hearing. And now you can buy like the complete Six Million Dollar Man series at Target for like twenty bucks. Yeah, like the entire show. For the, so I mean, hey. yeah, for
1: the record, Six Million Dollar Man is marketable, not Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> for those keeping score at home. Um,
0: yeah, that's what they'll tell us anyway. Yeah. So Dennis, take us on, so, man. So What's we, our next so, segment?
1: So, case I mean, we we, we kind of like skimmed over the synopsis, but th- this is not this is not a deep plot. Um, so, yeah. so Sam is a bounty hunter. Uh, Diane Frost has uh, she has been accused of forging one million dollars worth of checks from her boss, and so he is taking her back uh, to to see justice in that regard. Um, as as what we were going to find out throughout the episode, uh, yes, she did forge those checks, but she was doing it for good because Rodney, the villain of the episode, the actual villain of the episode, uh, had swindled all of these old women out of their life savings, so she was just basically trying to play Robin Hood and trying to return that money back to those people. Yes. Uh, and so she has the the... The money in the form of checks hidden somewhere. Uh, and so by the end of the episode, Rodney and the sheriff get a hold of her. They go back. She has it hidden in a train station. Who knows why? Or a play town. Like, it's like a like a playground, mm-hmm. land kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like
0: these are no longer active locomotives or anything like that. They're they're museum pieces in essence and she's hidden the the money there. Yeah. Um it's worth noting in a, in a very, you know, a, in a good sort of intelligent stroke um that her mother is one of Rodney's victims. Yes. And so that's the reason why Diane, you know, sort of the impetus behind her deciding to try to get this money and give it back to them. Um in another smart bit of writing in my opinion there is no romantic subplot here between rodney and diane like it's not like in so many other episodes you know anytime a woman is being chased there's got to be some element of like oh this is her her ex-husband or ex-boyfriend or or, or something or rather you know um and that is not the case in this episode whatsoever it literally strictly just has to do with the money uh and diane has you know has, has taken this again like i said to try to play Robin Hood. Um, I really appreciate the thought and care that went into the writing of this episode and in particular Diane's character. And I think that the episode is more successful for it because as close as it treads the line to cliche, uh, and, and sort of stereotypes of this kind of genre story, um, I feel like it does some things that kind of take it a little bit out of that and and make it far more
1: interesting to me. I mean, that's what I like about it because it is, uh, it, this just occurred to me. It almost does harken back to the first season where yes. the show really leaned in to to the genre tropes they were playing. And like I said, this one, uh, you know, like like from from the music and the acting, it it is so much play. Like you like you like pointed out, like uh, uh, Magnum PI or the Rockford Files or Simon and Simon. That kind of like that comedic element. And like I said, that there's, there's physical comedy in this episode and beyond just the physical comedy, just the bits of, uh, uh, of Sam and Al's interchange. One of my favorite scenes is the, is the very first scene when, um, these guys are roughing Sam up because they think he's the bad guy. And then Dan says, Oh, just reach into his jacket. Give me that thing. Oh no, no wrong jacket. And that's when they pull out the warrant, for her arrest. Yeah. And that's when the, like when the two guys and Sam, they all have this bubbling moment trying to find the words bounty hunter. Yeah. And Diana's was like, ah, bounty hunter. Uh, I, I just really love that moment.
0: Yeah. I, I love it too. Cause later on she even gives Sam shit about like, you, you know, she, she's like, Oh yeah. She must take a, Uh, A couple of degrees in order to do what you do, and like for a moment he's so exasperated he's like, well, actually, he doesn't he doesn't finish the thought, but you
1: know, any any fan of the show knows where he's going with that. But uh, this is also, I mean, uh, you know, talk about and and uh, I I feel like the last couple episodes Al really hasn't had a lot to do, Uh, and this episode like he at least has a subplot of like his personal investment is that Diane reminds him exactly of Maxine. Yes. His fifth wife, who it turns out he divorced because he thought that she was sleeping with a Marine. And it turns out he found out after the fact that he was wrong. Uh, but if we go through his five stages of love, uh, <laughs> it seems like they hooked up a few times, even after they got divorced. Well, I mean, naturally, would you expect anything less from Al Calabichi I would expect nothing less from Al Calavici. Bird dog oh yes oh, wait. we haven't gotten there yet <laughs> yeah uh, so let's talk about some uh, great moments in the episode so I mean uh, I mean aside from uh, Scott Bakula's performance this episode belongs to Jane Civit yeah totally absolutely um, you know and you know it's funny because we we
0: briefly touched on it I know I mentioned it in our last episode but Uh, this character for her, I feel like is very different from the character that she's probably most well known for, which is Carol on friends. And, uh, I, I, think that it really speaks to, you know, her range as an actor and I've not seen her in a lot of other things, unfortunately, although she has a pretty robust resume on IMDB. Um, but I completely agree. She really, like you said, the episode belongs to her. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways,
1: yeah. Uh, there's. Uh, I was looking at it last night after I watched the episode. The the, the two trailers of movies that she's been in. Uh, oh, I should. One is from the late '90s, and it okay. looks and it looks like a straight to video affair. It looks yeah. like she did as best as she could in it, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then another one is more recent one. She's just she's just in that the, that trailer very very little, but. Yeah. I think it was called Aliens 2. Is that what it was called, or something like that? Um, Not to be confused with Sir Gordon Weaver Aliens. No, Arrival 2. Arrival 2. Arrival 2. That was it. Yeah, because for a moment I thought it was an update to the, or a sequel to the more recent Arrival movie. I'm
0: really interested in this pilot that she is going to be in, uh, that is in production called Manopause. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, this is. uh, yeah, this is just kind of like a showcase for her.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and you know, most of the other characters do feel very much, um, you know, just kind of window dressing. Sure. Or in the case of, of of Rodney and the sheriff, are you know are kind of they're 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 plot devices for the most part. Sure. You know, um, and that's fine. I, I I think you know for me favorite moments. It's it's hard to pick just one because the episode has a lot of really good set pieces. Um, and it, while this episode might not have a ton of depth and it may, you know, feel a little bit like, you know, movie of the weekish or, or, or whatever, you know, genre of the week, if you will, when it comes to quantum leap, um, I feel like it's a very successful episode, uh, and, and feels a little bit more like a return to form after a few episodes that have kind of been, uh, um, and, uh, for me, the scene in the barn, uh, I think is, is great. I, I just love the way that until we get to the hotel, and even then, to an extent, that Diane always gets the best of mm-hmm. Um And I, I, I think that you know, even without the you know sexual politics of it all, it's always interesting when the hero of your show. Get, you know starts to see the better god of him by uh, you know another character mm-hmm. um, especially you know uh, a character that is is only going to be around for a finite amount of time as opposed to you know another recurring character that gets you know one-ups the main character or whatever um so that I, that works really well and I appreciate that and then of course if you do get into the sexual politics of it all the idea that you know this that this this woman um it, it, you know is is at times smarter than the guy who's got eight doctorates, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just contextually speaking, you
1: know, in 1991, that wasn't something you were going to see a whole hell of a lot of. For sure. But the thing is, it's also important to note, like, uh, Diane's character does have a heart of gold. Yes, that is true. Uh, I mean, one, she is stealing the money to give it back to the old people. But as we see later in the episode, she can't even manage to steal – Uh, A gun Cigarette lighter Without paying for it Later on
0: Yeah It's interesting too because she wants so badly To be taken seriously as a criminal
1: Uh Well I mean she insists several times throughout that she is not a criminal Yeah But
0: On the bus Yeah in the barn, mm-hmm. in the hotel, there are those moments when she is very adamant about the fact that, like, you know, basically, be careful because I'm I'm a criminal. You know, when she handcuffs him to the to the uh, to the uh, outside of the hotel, mm-hmm. you know, she even kind of gives into it, basically being like, you know, I guess I, am, I guess you know am kind
1: of leaning into it a little bit. Yeah, like if yeah. you're going yeah. to accuse me of being a criminal, I I will be a criminal.
0: And I would certainly say I would certainly agree with you that I think it's it's more for show. I don't think that sure. she's that, yeah, that she really wants to be a criminal, but I but I do think that there is an element of what she does that is, um, yeah, she wants to be taken
1: seriously. Maybe sure, yeah. So we've been teasing it. Let's talk about Al Calavici's five stages of love. I actually took screen caps of this five. Uh, Five, five, ladies and gentlemen, five, five stages of love. Let me let me pull this up here. Let me let me pull back from my uh, from my meme, meme harvesting from the day. The um, only two I remember off the top of my head, Dennis, are denial and sex. That probably like sounds about me. but go. I don't know. <laughs> so, so so he clarifies in the barn that there are five stages of love. Sam is in the first stage, denial. The second is sex. <laughs> the third, hang on a 2nd i we'll back this up here. Um, I'm thinking, um, denial, and the second is sex, then there's acceptance. I was getting those two mixed up denial, sex, acceptance, divorce. <laughs> we skipped over marriage, by the way. I guess marriage is just part of acceptance, denial, probably, probably especially in Al's book. Yeah, denial, sex, acceptance, divorce. And then there's more sex if you're lucky. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face. I, really, I mean, I, I mean. Also, the fact that it is important to note this episode was written by a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I think she. I think she nails Al really well in that moment. Yes,
0: you know, and the funny thing is, is that he does not. With one exception does not come off too creepy, like there's one time when he's kind of staring at her. oh, we're totally you know, creepy out
1: this entire episode. It is what we are totally creepy out this entire episode. Well, maybe to an extent I just there's but there's
0: something about the way that it was done he didn't feel. He didn't feel like a creep, except in that one scene when he's when he's kind of staring at her and he's like Maxine, Maxine, Maxine. You know that that was a little weird. But other than that, it 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 doesn't. It's not as problematic as it's been in other episodes. No, I mean he. Know, he never tries to. He never tries to go into the bathroom with her. He never tries to see her when she's showering. He never tries to like. You know what I mean? For sure.
1: Yeah. He never encourages Sam to sleep with her. Yeah, he's not in the yeah not in the motel scene. I, I mean, you could have, like he could have been in the motel scene and he could have been cheering Sam on when they do finally have their moment, right? In the motel.
0: But yeah, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Um, but this is the first time we've gotten the name Maxine for the fifth
1: wife. right? I do believe so. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I feel like all of the wives they only get. One name check each, a- aside from Beth. Sure, yeah. The other sure. four wives, we get introduced to them in one episode, and then that's it. Don't ask me to name them all. Uh, Honeymoon Express <laughs> gets a couple of them mixed up. Uh, the future boy, there's the one ex wife who's suing him for more alimony, and then they end up examining each other's briefs and settling out of court. Oh dear God! Yeah, yes, of course they do. Yeah, and then there's this one. Uh, so yeah, the yeah the barn scene. It's a lot of great physical comedy. The chase, uh, the chasing, uh, falling into the manure, falling into uh, yeah. I, I could not help but hear uh, Biff Tannen's voice in my head <laughs> when, they, yes. when they fall into the manure. Manure. Anyway. Um, oh God. Um, this, uh, he spits
0: it out of his mouth, man. That's the part. That's you know, a, like,
1: oh, uh oh, yeah. The worst. Um, speaking, Ziggy of,
0: is referred to as a man. As, yes. as a He, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there is that.
1: Yeah. I did jump back, uh, in an episode, uh, where we're already going off on a lot of tangents. Speaking of Biff, the actor who plays him, I can't remember his name right now, right off the top of my head. Um, But he has, uh, I mean, this is like over a decade old, but he does stand up comedy now, or he did stand up comedy uh, years ago. And uh, as part of his final thing, like he just fully acknowledges his role uh, as Biff Tannen in in the the Back (laughs) to the Future movies. And he was like, all right, afterwards, you're going to want to come up and you're going to want to talk to me. You're going to ask me a bunch of questions about Back to the Future. Uh, So I just wrote a song about it. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to answer one of your questions. I answer all your questions. And one of the questions that he answers is, was that real manure? No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, oh, man.
0: So I had to do it. The nerd in me had to do it. I'm sorry. But we have Beth. The second wife was a Hungarian who was never named. The third wife is Ruthie. The fourth wife is Sharon. And the final fifth wife is Maxine. Who we get name checked in this. They met at a tattoo parlor in Jersey City. She tried to be both a professional roller derby girl and an ice skater, but was unsuccessful. They honeymooned at Niagara Falls, and of course, the marriage ended when Al accused her of cheating. Even though she hadn't, in the end, she ran off with the bricklayer that Al accused her of cheating with anyway. The many loves of Al Calavici. Indeed, and that's not that. Honestly, is only like half of personal relationships because the rest are just his girlfriends. Oh, wow! Because there's other girlfriends that get that get mentioned, or girls that you know he knew when he was a kid, or or whatever that get mentioned and name check from time to time. Where are you pulling uh, that from? Wikipedia.
1: Oh. okay. The Quantum Leap wiki, yeah. Uh, No, it's not even the Quantum Leap wiki. It's just Wikipedia. Oh, just Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Uh, Thomas F. Wilson is the name of the actor who played Biff Tannen, by the way. There you go. To jump back to the
0: Tom Wilson. He also played a character named Maniac in the Wing Commander video game series.
1: Ah, okay. Uh, The last thing I've seen him in, uh, did you watch the TV show Ed? Yeah, two thousands. He was on that show for a while. He was the, uh, the boyfriend of one of the main characters. I really liked that show. I love that show. And man. that's a show I, that it, it hasn't been put out on DVD or Blu-ray because of music issues. Yeah.
0: It's not even available on streaming.
1: That's yeah. It's a damn shame. Yeah.
0: There are ways, there are ways to, to come by if you are industrious enough. Yes.
1: Yes. I'm just, quality not, might not be that great. The but quality but, might not be. Good. Yeah. I'm getting my fill of Tom Cameron on the flash right now. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so so yeah, we have the the barn scene and then uh, the hitchhiking, the road scene. We we get a lot of great moments, and, the, and it's the first moment here uh, in this scene on by the road scene where she knocks Sam into the mud. She runs off, and then we cut to some time later. Al pops in, and Al says, "Oh, she's not very far away." And Sam's like, "All right, center center on her, and then yeah. you know where she's at, and then." Al just pops down the road. Yeah, we had a similar moment back during Glitter Rock at the party. <laughs> That's right. And then at the end of the episode, this is this is the I think this is the one time in the show where the, the the centering in and out is played purely for comedic effect. Is Al is in the truck with Sam, and then for no reason at all, he yeah. he recenters on the outside of the truck. <laughs>
0: Right outside like, the what are
1: you doing there? Window. And the thing <laughs> is, like, he doesn't even like. I don't even think Scott Bakula has a line. He just does this double take of like, "What the fuck? What? Why are you doing this?" Yeah. Um So, like I said, I really appreciated those moments.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I and again, I, I mean, honestly, we're talking about good moments in the episode, or great moments in the episode, stand moments, and and truth be told, I, I mean, I feel like you could literally list like just drop a, of the episode, just drop a pen. Yeah, there. yeah. I, I love, because it's uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say because there are so many you know really well done moments throughout the course of the episode. Yeah, I love Al's
1: Southwest inspired outfit. Yes. With the jacket, so you've got the little tie, the the the, the bolo tie. Yeah, you know, uh, Jean-Pierre Doleac he, he posted on Twitter some time ago that he has a lot of costumes from the show still available for sale. Like, somebody just want to reach out and just like, hey, how much for that? Yeah, I know, right? How much for that Southwest outfit? I could truly go as Al Calabici for Halloween. Yes, you could. I'll tell you,
0: you know, the, the speaking of the costumes, uh, the, the episode are three principles. Uh, in particular, I think their costumes are, are perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, Diane's uh, uh, pink dress is is, is just the, the the perfect outfit for her, uh, and, and speaks volumes about the character, um, and and out, uh, really kind of enhances you know the the charm of the character. Um, Sam slash Gordon's costume is perfect. That jacket and hat are like oh yeah, pff, I mean man, put me in that jacket and hat I couldn't fit in it, but put me in that jacket and hat uh, and then Al, yeah, and then Al's, Al's costumes throughout the episode are great so it's, it's it's uh, you know, another uh, episode I think where you look at the production values and, and you, you know, you do you do kind of have to just kind of be like, man, you know, when they when they were on it, they were on it, Sure. You know and there's some episodes where the production values are, uh, but, you know, this is definitely not one of them
1: I mean, there, I mean, there's a lot of episodes where, like you know, we've talked about this before, if you watch the episodes enough, you can see, like, oh, that's the house set oh, that's the diner sure. set, that's the bar right. set. Uh you you don't see any of those familiar sets in this other Yeah, you side. really don't. I don't even think that hotel had been used before. I don't think so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, speaking of the hotel, let's get to that scene. All right, let's do it. Uh I don't know what, I mean basically the the sexual tension between them builds up to the point that there they go.
0: Yeah, so it's, you know, it's done in a very um you know, romancing the stone, moonlighting-esque kind of way where, uh, first of all, I think it's worth mentioning when they very first get to the hotel, Diane outsmarts Sam once again by distracting him with her request for sandwich, toothpaste, et cetera, et cetera, to steal, steal in quotes because she does later pay for it, the cigarette lighter gun, uh, which she will use to great effect. They're back in the room. Sam has picked up some liniment and she kind of, you know, gives him a hard time about it. He's having a hard time putting it on, She's like, let me help you. He goes so far to uncuff her. And, he's, yeah, there's this great little moment where he's moving all the things off the, the nightstand. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, "Getting anything away from me that you might try to hit me with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she kind of takes offense to that. But then eventually she starts giving him the massage. Which I got to say, like, I was watching her, like, rub his shoulders. And I was like, man, I could use that. <laughs> <laughs> I you can uh, right now. Yeah. But, uh, but then there is that moment where they kind of start bickering, you know. And, and Sam is about ready to kind of just let her have it verbally and instead kisses her
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and and of course she kisses back and then he's like maybe we shouldn't do this and then they start kissing again and then they break off again and then finally they're just going for it mm-hmm. um until you know they do
1: kind of separate and, you know, she goes to get her clothes. There, there is a moment because uh, uh, I've taken now. I watch the episodes on Hulu instead of the Blu-ray, uh, mm-hmm. just because oftentimes I'm watching them at night after we have put Harrison to bed, and just having the volume down a little bit and having the the captions is great. Captions on Hulu, no captions on the Blu-ray. We have we have gripped about this before many times, uh, mm-hmm. but during this, like they're 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 kissing and breaking apart, kissing and breaking apart in the scene. At one moment, under her breath. Diane apparently says, You're so lively. <laughs> well she at one
0: point doesn't she also say something? This is earlier in the episode when he's like grabbed her or something, uh, from behind. It's 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 just a little bit before this, actually, after he catches her uh when she's run off with the hitchhiker, or she's tried to hitchhike rather, and and Al, you know, is sitting herself. And he grabs her from behind and she says something about like I hope that's something or other in your pocket. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't. Like, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she basically is like, "I hope that that's blah 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 in your pocket."
1: Sure. And it's just sort of like, "Wow, that's wow. great." I don't know if I'll have time to do it before tomorrow, but I'll I think I'll grab some like proper screen caps from this one with the subtitles and uh, <laughs> to do the lively, yeah. yeah, and throw those up on the Facebook page. But yeah, you're so lively.
0: Oh man! Oh, man. Um, but you know, the funny thing is, is that she. Once again, and, it, and it's, it's odd because the scene, the way that it plays out, you can't tell if there's real intent behind this or if it's just sort of like she takes advantage of the situation as it is because when she goes into the bathroom after they've been making out, she gets her dress. She's, you know, there's a moment where she almost goes back out there when Sam almost knocks on the door. You know, it's, it's just that classic sort of like, will they, won't they, be, yeah. you know, kind of bit. Uh, but then in the end, she ends up going out the window. Yeah. Um it's worth noting that this is the stretch of the episode where Sam is shirtless for a very long time, mm-hmm. which apparently was something that was Beverly Bridges' intent. Uh and apparently that Jane Sibbett was on the record as saying that she was more than happy to be, you know, wrestling around with the with shirtless Sam. Yeah, it was during um,
1: yeah, it was during this scene last night that Betsy noted that, that Scott Bakula is very ripped for nineties standards television. Yes. Yeah, which we talked about before. Today's standards, that's nothing. But he, right. yeah, he's looking pretty had good. you seen
0: yeah. Arrow,
1: <laughs> <What>? yes, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Amell's got like a
0: ten pack. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. What do you What do you think about this, Dennis? How do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, you were the one that said should we talk about the. The hotel scene. The hotel what, scene. What are, what are your what are your, What are your thoughts on the on the ah, the liniment rubbing and making
1: out? I mean, it, it's. L- let me ask you this: Have you ever, in any romantic relationship you ever had, have you ever had the we're angry, we're shouting at each other, turning into kissing, back and forth between those two things? Yes, but really? I know many very dramatic people. <laughs> okay, all right. See, I. <laughs> I have never had one of those moments. I have had it happen with two different people. Okay. I will say
0: this, though. If there's a testament to the volatility of, of, of personalities involved in those situations, uh, neither one of them was Jessica. So I didn't, <laughs> okay. I didn't end up with either one of them. <laughs> okay. The things did not last long, especially with one of them. But I, I yeah. was going to ask,
1: like, how long did that? Were, were these like, uh, you know, quick relationships that that died out, or did they last for any length of time? Now they're fairly quick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very much like this episode, but yeah, I yeah. uh, yeah. it's really it, it, it's uh, you know, as I was watching the episode, like it, it is a trope. Like you see that you see this a lot. Of other things. Right now, at the top of my head, I can't think of a specific example, but you see this trope of they hate each other so much, but then they end up making out uh, yeah. or, or even more. And thinking about it, it's like, I don't think I've ever actually had that experience. Yeah, right? You see? Um, uh, it happens, Dennis. It, it got weird in the last month <laughs> of in my ex wife's relationship. I'm just gonna leave. I'm just. I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, before Fair b- enough. before we separated for good. Yes. Uh, yeah. Most of that is blacked out my memory. I drank a lot during that time. Anyway. Well. Yeah. Um, but but I, I will say that you know, personal
0: experience aside, I get where you're coming from because it is very much a trope of especially these types of situations where you have, um, I I, I mean, my God. Yeah. Just look at like, whether it's Rockford files or Magnum PI or, you know what I mean? The number of episodes where James Garner would, would be in a, you know, kind of, will they, won't they, I hate you kind of relationship with a woman and end up kissing her before the episode was out. Maybe not exactly like this. Uh-huh. Same with Magnum P.I. Like, there are Magnum P.I. episodes where this exact scene basically happens, you know? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So 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 I think that when you look at the genre and you think about that, even going back, man, let's face it, this goes back even further than that. I mean, Jesus, look at, like, uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart. You know what I mean? Like, the 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 times where, like, um, uh, is it the big sleep? Um, you know, or, or even look at like going with the wind. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, this is something that goes back, you know, even before that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea that the antagonism, and I think that there's something about, yeah, yeah. there's just something about that that is, that is appealing and sure. I'm not saying it's healthy, I'm not saying it's good. I think that it has been misinterpreted wildly and is probably one of the reasons why
1: we're having to reevaluate a lot of these situations it, 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 in light of the Me Too movement. But now that I think about it, I mean, even – I'm trying to think of a more recent example I've seen in entertainment um, mm-hmm. on Scandal. Okay. Olivia – I can't remember the character's last name. Olivia, Kerry Washington's character and the president. I watch it, oh, so yeah. not watch uh, that. Yeah, they, the, the first season when, when, their, when their love affair was going strong. They had very much like a similar setup of like, we're fighting, we're fighting we're, yelling, we're fighting, we're yelling, we're fighting, we're yelling. Now we're having sex. Well, that makes sense
0: because isn't that done by the same woman that did uh, Shonda Rhimes, the one who did uh, Grey's Anatomy? And that's something mm-hmm. that happens in Grey's Anatomy time and time again. Uh, yes. I mean, I think that happens like in
1: the very first episode of Grey's Anatomy. That is, um, that is great. But like I said, we, we are, we are going back and like we, with everything going on, especially like in the news week that we've had this last week. Yes, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe to an obnoxious point, we are evaluating it. Uh, we are evaluating it too much. Speaking of, I want to go back and I want to clarify something that I said earlier in case anybody was alarmed. Oh, uh, boy! Uh, I may just have you edit this out later. <laughs> I don't know, but but everything that me and my ex wife did in that last month, we were both completely sober, and it was all consensual. I said I drank a lot during that time I drank a lot during that time After we separated So I don't remember a lot of that But uh, after I said what I just said I don't want to think that uh, there was drunkenness or anything was not consensual during that time uh, i I don't think I did not interpret it that way okay. at all. I don't think anyone else would interpret it that it way sort of things I like think, as it came yeah. out of my mouth I was like sure oh, that may that may sound bad but I, I I just want to make that
0: clarification. No that's fair that's fair. I completely understand that and 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 you know I, I think that um. I, yeah, I, the, the fact of the matter is is that I, I I would be lying if I didn't admit to the fact that alcohol had played a part in a couple of those situations. Sure, and I can safely say that both of us had been drinking. So, sure. <laughs> you know, when, when 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 that starts to happen, it's it's just kind of like, eh, well, it's a safe space, and nobody was nobody was upset afterwards. So, for you sure. Know
1: yeah but, but um, yeah the, the, yeah this speaks to the conversations that we're having right now about all of this
0: <laughs> yeah, it does you know and i I, I think that uh, if if we're going to spin it directly under this episode of quantum leap and, and in this particular moment um it I, I, I just think it's played very very well mm-hmm. and while we can certainly you know not even nitpick, that's the wrong word because it makes it seem like it's not worth talking about, but we could address the fact that Sam is, in essence, wearing a mask, and so she can't know who he really is, and, and, and you know, is he in any way taking advantage of that? I would argue in this case, no, and I would certainly say that with the way that she responds to him and, and, and with the, the tension between the two of them in general, that it plays well, you know, even under our 2018 eyes, in the 1991 eyes, I don't think people would have batted an eyelash at it. I don't think anybody would have even oh, had God. a second thought,
1: you know? And, and I think even today, most people just catching this episode in a rewrite, they, they wouldn't think a whole lot about it. Uh, yeah. But I, I think we both tend to think too much.
0: Well, you know, I don't think there's anything
1: wrong with that. <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> no, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, um, And so, yeah, so from there we get the, uh, you know, we get her escape out of the window and then he escapes. But then that's just when the, the sheriff pulls up just in time, takes her away. I'm confused. When she comes to, when the sheriff pulls up and arrests her, Rodney isn't there. Yeah. But then in the next scene he is. Oh, wait, no, I think, isn't he there? I just, uh... I didn't. I think thought he so. was in the car. I thought he was in the car. Oh, oh okay. I mean, it, it seemed weird that the, like like there wasn't that moment where like he got out of the car. There, I don't know. I had Hattie in my arms. I may have missed a couple of things. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It would not be the first time. Uh, but yeah, and then and then we get uh, yeah, and then we get uh, we get this moment of. Uh, Rodney's roughing her up in the back seat yeah and it's it, uh, yeah it's not there's one of those things like it's, it's a mostly comedic episode and I think it speaks to the time of like I think this entire episode could be made today and not yeah. much would change I don't think we would be seeing the scene of just like him like actually like giving her the back of his hand right because it is kind of rough yeah uh yeah it's not it's not it's not a fun scene to watch but we do get another moment and we're, we're getting more of these moments where more frequently i should say because it's happened before we're sam telling al of like hey go center on her come back tell me keep me updated as to what's going on Yeah, uh, giving al more to do
0: yeah right well and he plays into the into the climax when he is um you know centered on her and you know there's that it's really played well the tension of the scene is done very well when he's like 20 seconds you know sam you got to get here five four and then you know rodney goes to shoot her and and sam is able to intervene just in time to to stop her from getting hit um, but you're right. I mean, Al is a much more active participant compared to, you know, for a while there. Uh, I mean, there are definitely episodes like it played against Seymour, for instance, is one of the first times he really gets to do some of that interesting stuff, uh, which I really enjoyed, um, you know, when he's helping Sam out, mm-hmm. and, you know, there, there, there are other moments throughout the series, obviously, but, um,
1: yeah, this, this, this works well. Sure. Well. Yeah. Uh, and what, uh. Are there any other really great moments in this episode? I feel like we've talked about.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll readdress it real quick. I I, I love the fact in the fight scene that that Diane is just as physically active in that fight scene as Sam is. They even have a very mirrored,
1: uh, yeah, check.
0: yeah, yeah. When they finish the two off, which I think works really well, um, and and yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed that a lot. Um, it, it it reinforces the fact that when he leaves. You know, and she's she's going to go off and be this very successful bounty hunter. You know, not only do you believe it, but like we were saying earlier, you can kind of make up the spinoff show in your head that it would be. Mm-hmm. Now
1: I want to see that show.
0: I know, right? Frost, Here's a question for you: okay. If you had Gordon come back at some point in the show, would you have it be played by another actor, or would you just have Scott Bakula be Gordon? If it's after, let's say, let's say Quantum Leap goes off the air, okay, but her show is still going. Oh, I see what you're saying. And uh, now you're going to bring Gordon back, or do you think that'd be too confusing? I, I think that would be, I think that would be way too confusing.
1: It's a damn shame because it'd be awesome, in my opinion. <laughs> but I understand. I agree. I agree. Be, uh, along the same, uh, uh, kind of along the same lines, I was, I was never into Jag. I only saw the occasional episode. Uh, yeah. there's one episode that took place at a quantum leap convention or one scene yep. does place at a quantum leap convention. So I watched like that episode and that was, and, uh, that was, that was such a play to get quantum leap fans to watch Jag, And it just made me mad because the episode actually had nothing to do with whatever I, always, no. but, but th- I always thought, especially because I knew Don Bellisario always wanted to do an episode of quantum leap or Sam Leap in the Magnum P.I. I was always hopeful that they would do an episode of JAG where Sam leaped into the main character. Yeah. And they would, by proxy, make an episode of JAG into an episode of Quantum Leap. <sighs> if only. Alas. No, uh, no. Although, like I did watch the show, uh, Dean Stockwell guest starred on a few episodes of JAG. That sounds right. I watched
0: it, but I, I, I stopped watching it maybe around the fourth season. The thing went on for like 10
1: seasons it something was something season yeah. like that. It was a work. It was a yeah. machine. I mean, and, and, and here's my thing, Sam. Do tell, Dennis. Do tell. Jag went on for 10 years. Yeah. We now have NCIS. Yeah. NCIS yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. NCIS. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Magnum PI has a reboot. Yeah, everything in the '90s is getting a reboot. Murphy Brown's reboot. Mur- yeah, that's, that's the other one I was, that was coming back. Yeah, I, 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 which Scott Bakula actually guest starred in for a while yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Hunt. Yeah, that was yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I'm just where where's the Quantum Leap reboot? I've given up hope that uh, that you know Scott Bakula will ever have anything more to do with it than a cameo. Sure. Uh I was uh, on, on one of the quantum leap groups the other day we were talking about uh, somebody threw out the idea for for Sam that I had never thought of before. Chris Pratt <laughs> Imagine Chris Pratt as Sam and Nick Offerman as Al. Oh my God. I don't know if it would sustain as a series. I would just love to see one episode of that TV show. Sure, sure. It'd be it'd be interesting. The thing is, yeah, I don't know. For a long time, because like back in like 2011, they were talking about a reboot, like seriously talking about a reboot. And I mean, back I, at the time, I really liked Nathan Fillion. Sure. But I think now even he is getting a little bit too old to play the role.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see someone, I don't know, I'd like to see someone maybe a little bit more cerebral. Uh, I don't know, you know, Nathan Fillion has always been a little bit like, and not just because of Firefly, but there's there's something kind of a, a roguish charm about him that, sure. I, that I don't, that I, I wouldn't necessarily see. Uh-huh. In Sam and and Chris Pratt's a little
1: too goofy. Uh-huh.
0: I love. I actually love the idea of Nick Offerman as Al, though. I think that's
1: fucking hilarious. <laughs> that would be. That, that would be amazing.
0: It really would. It really would. Um, you know, a guy just popped into my head, and this is honestly, this mainly because I'm looking at the my Blu-rays that are, that are uh, on the wall opposite me. But somebody that would make a really interesting Sam, uh, even though he's a Brit, I mean, he obviously can do the American accent because he's done it multiple times. Uh, is the guy that played Apollo in Battlestar Galactica, Jamie Bamber? Not familiar. Because he, you know, he he he's just in in that within the context of that show, you know, he's a guy with a really strong moral compass. Um, I've seen him do other characters similar to that. I think uh, Band of Brothers, he, he played a character kind of like that. And in addition to that, he ends up being a lawyer at one point um, in the show and, and defending Gaius Baltar for, like, war crimes and everything. And, and you know, he gets that sort of, like, that, that again, that sort of moral compass right along with a more cerebral kind of intelligent, you know, thing um, that I think would, would suit Sam, but... I don't know, I couldn't do it i they they i don't I don't know man I don't know i'm I'm just i would i don't i just can't I can't do it I can't wrap my head around it if they do it i'm I'm sure I'm there i'm gonna watch but it's 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 weird for me, it's weird for me because of the way that the show ended, and so for there to be a a full on reboot, I would kind of feel like.
1: Cheated a little bit, I guess. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think I would. I I, I can. I, I think a reboot now it would incorporate Sam time traveling, but you would constantly get flashbacks to Sam's life in the present.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and like we've talked about before, you would get more Project Quantum Leap, yeah. or more of the stuff that was going on there, as opposed to you know the the actual leap, but. Eh. Uh, We'll see. Maybe. Maybe it'll be dug out of the mothballs
1: next. Who knows? Maybe. Let's hope. Let's see. But but anyway, for now, for this episode, uh, what's more there to say about this episode? I think we covered a lot of
0: it. Yeah, you know, I I, I think this is a very good episode. Um, uh, Again, I I feel like this is a little bit more uh, perhaps, you know, of a... um, uh, you know, frankly, a return a return to form because I, I I think that we've gotten a few episodes, um, recently that just had not been quite as strong, um, as the rest of. Not I mean not just the season but but I mean I mean the show in general. Um, you know there there been uh, there been some weak episodes in season three quite frankly, mm-hmm. um, and I I think. That while even an episode like, you know, Private Dancer has got some good moments, that ultimately, if you look at the run from Private Dancer through Glitter Rock, you know, those four episodes, Private Dancer, Piano Man, Southern Comforts, and Glitter Rock are nothing to write home about, quite frankly.
1: Mm-hmm. The music and Glitter Rock, yeah. but Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Piano Man has got somewhere in the night. But, you know, but ultimately, I feel like A Hunting We Will Go, you know, I'm might even, I, I mean, I would rank it pretty highly this season, you know, with, with obviously the first two episodes aside, movie mm-hmm. poem part one and part two, but I think I would put it, um, you know, obviously black on white on fire is probably the, the, the highest ranked episode of the season, you know, two part season premiere aside for me. Um, and then I think, Eight and a half months, Future Boy and Runaway are strong episodes, but I think I might, you know, I,
1: I would put a Hunting Wheel Go right with them. I would. Yeah. Yeah. And the more I think, because I've been thinking about this a lot recently, uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, Black on White and Fire is one of the best episodes in the entire series. Yes, it is. Uh, which I didn't really realize until we rewatched it a few months ago, or a couple months ago. Yeah.
0: That's it's one fun. of my favorite, I mean, and, and, and for more selfish point of view it's one of my favorite episodes that we've done like our episode on the
1: episode we did pretty good on that one not to to pat ourselves on the back (laughs) uh but speaking of more serious episodes, so at the end of this episode oh shit uh, yeah let's talk about this leap out so 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 leap out uh it is interesting to note they said like in the original script uh uh beverly bridges was just going to have uh sam and diane now you put the Cheers thing in my head. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> uh, they were going to have Sam and Diane making out, and so that was, that was it. Like the bounty hunter was just going to leap back in, and we didn't get any really solid resolution to to Diane's story. But now she's going to go off to be a bounty hunter, and it turns out she's going to be one of the best bounty hunters in the business.
0: Yes, she is, and it's interesting because you know Sam even is like, "Why haven't I le- leaped yet?" And, and and that's when Al is like, Well you're not through yet, but he doesn't really give him any more prompting than that. Yeah, you just like yeah, you just have unfinished business with Diane. <laughs> yeah. And so of course
1: it's put into your head it's like, oh, okay, they're gonna get together or something. At this point I, I couldn't yeah, I couldn't remember if there was anything more than than uh than her being I remember like her going off to be a bounty hunter, but yeah. I didn't know if there was like, anything of like setting something up that they were gonna reunite afterwards or something. And what's funny about that
0: is if it would have happened, I would have been like, of course, but because it didn't happen, there was a part of me that was actually sort of like, oh, that's too bad, Mm. you know, And, and, and sometimes it's that wonderful thing of when you don't get what you, you know, what you expect or you don't get that sort of cliched hackneyed, you know, bullshit or whatever. Instead, you get something that's. Just a little bit more honest, it gives you the, that that sort of feeling of like, oh, huh. Well, that's 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 too bad. I mean, like um,
1: there there are some episodes that do it. Where, I mean, where, like great spontini. They beat you over the head. It's like no, they oh, must Jesus, they yeah. must get together in the end. But like I I love episodes that acknowledge like like the impermanence of relationships and just like no, like we we just had a really strong connection, and and now we're gonna go off and go do our own thing. Because most relationships that are forged during high-stress situations don't last, which we have learned from the 1995 blockbuster Speed.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, it's interesting because one of the things that that you just said that I feel like makes all of the stuff that happened between Sam and Diane in the course of this episode feel a little bit more okay, if you will, uh, is the is the fact that there is you know that there isn't anything else to it really that it's just these two people that exist yeah. in this you know they, they 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 their paths cross and then Sam leaping through time he just happens to be the guy that's there while their paths cross and that's that um, I love the hat bit you know the bit with the hat where he goes sure. in to kind of kiss her but it's not it's not a romantic kiss it's more just sort of like a kiss on the cheek like a you know see you later mm-hmm. sort of thing uh, and then he puts the hat on her it's a really cute moment. Um, that's when she gets the idea, of course, to be the bounty hunter. Um it's a good it's a satisfying wrap up. It really is.
1: Yeah. It, it works well. And then this may be uh Yeah, this may be one of the most harrowing best leap ins Yeah. Of the entire series. Yes. Like as I was watching the episode last night, I was thinking like if this was my first episode of Quantum Leap ever. Like the episode, pretty good. And that ending, wah. Yeah. It's
0: a holy shit kind of ending. Yeah. Which is saying a lot, considering that we're going to get two leaps coming up, you know, between the season finale and the season premiere that are also kind of holy shit leaps. Like, they they were really nailing it when it came to that. Yeah.
1: So, uh, in case you're, you're catching up and, and not sure what we're talking about, Sam leaps into the electric chair. And yeah. it's very clear... Yeah.
0: It's a really interesting leap in, too, because I feel like, A, it's a little bit longer than other leap ins that we normally get. B, we're given a lot of information that we don't normally get. We are getting we get the date. Uh-huh. We get Sam's name. We get the mirror shot because there's that shot of, of, of
1: the pane of glass where we actually see Jesus Ortega. You no, know, actually, no. That's what I thought for a moment. And it threw me off because you see Scott Bakula. That's not actually a mirror shot. You're seeing from the other side of the wall, you're just seeing uh, like the arm of the guy who's going to pull the lever. No, 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 no. That's not the mirror shot. I'm
0: talking about there's a shot in the glass of the observation room where you see Jesus. Jesus.
1: Oh, I missed that. Okay.
0: Yeah, Yeah, go back and watch it because there's a a shot from the glass, and it's from Sam's point of view, and it's really well done because it's from Sam's point of view, basically, and you see the uh, observers out in the observation room, but you can see the reflection of Jesus in the glass. Oh, I missed that. It's really well done. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to getting all this information that we don't normally get and a little bit lengthier uh, leap in, we also get just the sheer... Drama and high stakes situation of uh-huh. Sam being strapped down and the f- switch about to get flipped, like you said, which is where we see Sam looking and seeing
1: the executioner's hand on the on the switch. And uh-huh. a dark, dark universe. This is how Sam Beckett meets his end. <laughs> oh,
0: jeez! Sam Beckett never returned home.
1: Yeah, um, and ouch. Ouch. Uh, ouch. oh, there's gonna be a lot to unpack about this episode, especially if we want to dive into all the ethical issues of death penalty and mm, oh, we're diving. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. This is going to be a rough one. It's going to be an interesting one. I got things to say. Uh, I remember, uh, so it is worth note, uh, Sam and I met working on a show that I was directing and that he acted in that did revolve around, uh, uh, some victims reuniting, uh, as their uh, As the person who murdered Their childhood friend On on the eve of his execution Yeah um, So I remember when we were working the production of that show We had a lot of conversations about The death penalty then. Yeah yeah. <sighs> yeah man We're going to have to do our research on this one We really are Yeah because this one didn't really have any historical themes Or anything uh, No nothing yeah. too strong. Uh the seventies look cool. You're right. <laughs> those jackets, those hats. That's about it. But but yeah. And uh we're staying we're we're solidly in the seventies. This is the third episode in a row that we're gonna be in the seventies next week. That's right. Uh we're jumping back five years to May twelfth, nineteen seventy one. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Me too. I I am really looking
0: forward to it. because, like I said, I don't remember a whole hell of a lot about the episode, so I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to kind of diving deep on it. Uh, I think it will give us some meatier topics to talk about. We haven't really had that for a while, quite frankly. Um, you, you know, we've we've obviously discussed a lot about some of the sexual politics of, of of episodes, and uh, you know, put it in light of of what's happening today and what's happening now, and you know, with Me Too especially. But I think to have an episode that. Um, touches on uh, on a you know a more important issue of our time if yeah. you will yeah um that doesn't have to do with with gender inequality or, or sexual assault will be nice it'll
1: be kind of a relief. <laughs> it would be oh that's a sad kind of terror. it's gonna be a relief to talk about the death penalty, penalty. <laughs> over, over everything else what uh, we we live in interesting times that we do, sir But I'm grateful to have this I'm grateful to have people Listening to the show And commenting And, uh, and talking And chatting and uh, Yeah So we were talking yeah. about, I think we are talking about this Before we hit record So in a couple episodes We have uh, uh, Heart of a Champion Coming up Hopefully we're going to have Leva Bates Blue Pants on the show uh, She will be in Chicago That week If we could do a live episode That would be great it-
0: if we, yeah, and if we do the live episode, just so everyone's aware, it will mean that the episode drops late, most likely. Sure. Um, but uh, it might be worth it to to, to do that. And, and also, if we do the episode, most likely it will be done over drinks. So there's no telling what the hell's going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's,
1: it's been a while. I mean, because it's, uh, it's been like two or three months since we've recorded an episode in the same room. It has been. I feel like black on white on fire. Yeah, I feel like black on yeah, like white on fire may have been. No, no, no. Uh, Miss Deep South. I think it was. Uh, yes, you're right. Uh, that was the last one. We were in the same room, and then our guests Megan and Kelly, Kelly and Megan. Uh, right. uh, they uh, they were in their own space in Chicago, but uh, it's been a while since we we've we drank. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny because I just had drinks with Leva a month ago, like yeah. literally a month ago. Yeah, it'll so, be fun. Um, yeah, it'll be it, it'll be great if we can if we can have her on and uh, and be in the same room to talk about an episode. And we should endeavor to do more of that. Um, but in the meantime,
1: uh, I think it's time to leap out of here. Yeah, let's leap out of here. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at FWWQuantumLeapPod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.